0: GX on Agriculture, with Doug Falconer.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. The RCMP manhunt continues for three masked men after a rural break-in and the death of a 34-year-old man and an injured woman at Round Lake last Friday. We will hear from SARM President Ray Orb, who says he met with the RCMP yesterday in hopes of improved communication between police and rural residents when serious crimes occur. We'll also speak with Ray Orb about a concern concerning ongoing lack of rural health support in the province. He'll weigh in on that topic. Researchers with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon are examining strategies to allow an increased inclusion of field pea starch in the diets of pigs Without increasing the risk of gastric ulcers. Dr. Matt Lowen, an associate professor at the university, will tell us about that project. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The RCMP manhunt continues for three masked men after a rural break in and the death of a 34 year old man and an injured woman at Round Lake last Friday. The three men broke into the home, stole a number of guns and a vehicle, which was later found abandoned and on fire. Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities President Ray Orb says his group met with the RCMP yesterday in hopes of improved communication between police and rural residents when serious crimes occur.
2: I think we had a really good meeting this morning with Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore. We had invited her to come in a couple of weeks ago to talk about uh, what's happening in the RCMP. You know, we're aware there are, there are staff shortages and we're aware that there may be some movement of some RCMP members from the southern part of the province to the northern part. Um, the RCMP is under a lot of pressure right now as far as staffing, but we understand some of that is a, is a funding problem too. And so we do have a resolution coming to our March convention That's going to be, uh, I think, addressing the funding, but the RCMP, uh, definitely the shortage of members out in rural Saskatchewan. But the Commissioner, Assistant Commissioner, did talk about communications, and it's one thing that she did promise to try and improve as we asked that rural people could simply be notified more expediently when there is a serious crime in the rural area that uh, rural elected officials are notified as well and we understand um, there was communications with uh, local landowners in the in the case of what happened on that farm in the Asturias area we need rural uh, municipal uh elected officials and administrators to be informed of what's going on simply to say that look there has been a serious crime committed in your area be on a lookout be wary of people traveling and it's Someone is seen or or something happens that that needs to be reported. So uh, the communications issue, I think, is something that the Assistant Commissioner will be addressing. And we're hoping in the future that it is addressed to, you know, kind of make our rural people more at ease as far
1: as being notified of what's happening. Rural residents can also provide useful information to police.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, we've got a Rural Crime Watch Network. In in the province, we have um, you know Saskatchewan Association of Royal Crime Watch Associations now too that that we're promoting. Uh, but we have local crime watch groups too in a, in a lot of our municipalities, and so uh, we were wondering you know if the RCMP would be able to uh, do more of that to notify the local crime watch groups, just to simply notify them and say look this is what happened. And you need to watch out for this, not specifically who or what, but that again, something that seriously has happened. Uh, rather than people reading it in the news and then drawing their own conclusion and creating a lot of angst in the river. So I think we had a good meeting with Rhonda Blackmore this morning and we'll continue you know, to improve that uh, communication issue.
1: Orb made his comments yesterday after meeting with the RCMP. It's time now for the Agriview portion of the program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Agriview Ice Futures' canola contracts drifted lower during the week ended yesterday, although values remained range-bound overall. Ken Ball of PI Financial in Winnipeg, says the market is maybe coming to the realization that we still have near-record South American soybean supplies on hand. While Argentina has suffered crop losses from drought, he says increased Brazilian production prospects have more than made up for any shortfalls. Ball says there's a muddled mixture of stuff in the markets, noting that in addition to South American production uncertainty, Ongoing tensions in Ukraine were supporting grains and oilseeds in general. The production concerns in Argentina have been especially supportive for soy meal, and Ball saw the meal market as being vulnerable to a correction. If meal peaks, it could weigh on soybeans and, in turn, canola. Canadian fertilizer maker Nutrien has forecast lower than expected 2023 earnings and posted fourth-quarter profit below Wall Street estimates, sending shares down 2.6% in extended trading. While higher fertilizer prices dented demand in early second half of last year, a fall in prices later in the year did not boost demand as farmers further awaited pricing trends to stabilize. Nutrien also said there was a historic decline in potash shipments in the second half of 2022. Jason Newton, chief economist and head of market research at Nutrien, says growers are hesitant to step into the market with falling fertilizer prices. However, he expects the reduced fertilizer prices and strong crop prices to support demand as spring arrives. The company forecasts 2023 adjusted earnings in the range of $8.45 to $10.65 per share, compared with analysts' estimate of $11.62 per share. The B.C. Salmon Farming Industry says a new report from the Ministry of Agriculture highlights the challenges posed by land-based salmon farming. A release from the Salmon Farming Association says the report outlines the difficulties of land-based or closed-containment salmon farming, including high costs, low returns, and uncertainty about regulations. The association says the report finds that moving current levels of ocean-based fish farms to land would require a direct investment of $1.8 to $2.2 billion. Association Executive Director Brian Kingsett says his members are experts at using closed containment systems, but they believe moving the entire sector to land is not realistic and is not required to protect wild salmon. The confirmation of more bird flu cases in South America raised alarm bells in Brazil, which remains free of contagion even after its close neighbors Argentina and Uruguay confirmed cases there yesterday. Brazil's agriculture minister says his country, the world's biggest chicken exporter, would bolster measures to prevent outbreaks as the virus continued to spread. Until now, bird flu cases had been detected in commercial farms in Bolivia, which borders Brazil, and in Peru and Ecuador. Yesterday, cases in wild birds were confirmed in Uruguay and Argentina, sparking a health emergency in both. In recent days, Brazil also investigated suspected cases of the highly pathogenic bird flu. None of the suspect cases turned out to be avian influenza. And a fast food favorite is going meat-free. Coming soon to a McDonald's near you. McPlant
0: Nuggets. The chicken-free version of the fast food favorite made with peas, corn, and wheat with a tempura batter is the second product that McDonald's has developed with Beyond Meat. Stores in Germany will get them first. McDonald's says customers in Europe have been more receptive to plant-based meat products than those in the U.S. The McPlant Burger, its first product with Beyond Meat, is a permanent menu item in the U.K., Austria, and the Netherlands, but it was pulled from U.S. stores after a short test marketing period. Daria Albin- or ABC
1: News. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Faulkner. It's sunny and minus 20 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities is concerned over an ongoing lack of rural health support in the province. President Ray Orb says a lack of health care services and workers is putting stress on many rural areas.
2: We're getting still a lot of feedback from our our RMs about health care delivery, you know, in in the rural areas. And we're aware, you know, over the past um, year there have been some emergency centres that were closed down, you know, due to staffing shortages and things like that. So we're uh, aware that the province is doing a consultation on on the healthcare delivery as well. So we're we're going to be uh, sequestering our our rural members to get more information from them about what they think they need in their own communities. And so, uh, it's a fairly I think a fairly comprehensive idea, you know, to have a, a consultation. But definitely, we need maybe a more Rural um, approach on uh, on what healthcare is. We know that a number of rural people are having to travel to the larger urban centres. You know that puts a puts a lot of stress on rural people. You know, as you know, they're busy in farming and ranching and and all of the other resource sectors that we have in the province and. And people from the rural areas seem like they're under a lot of, uh, duress having to travel to larger centers. At the same time, we believe if there, if there are more healthcare centers or, or better delivery in the rural area, it actually keeps some of the rural people out of the large and urban centers. And, you know, there is a backlog already, I think, of people that need healthcare. So we're, we're kind of looking at a multifaceted approach, I think, on how to make things better in rural Saskatchewan's healthcare delivery.
1: Or bads said he would also like to see a bigger focus on job retention and recruitment for healthcare care workers in rural areas and the operation of facilities
2: we'd like to have a stronger voice of what's happening in rural saskatchewan definitely on that front, uh, you know uh, whether it's uh, you know an advisory board or, or something like that, uh, but you know at the same time, I think the province knows. Where in lie some of the solutions to the problems uh, we know there's a physician shortage. Well, we had a doctor recruitment agency, we realize it's it's not up and running again, perhaps that's something the province needs to look at. but we're aware you know that there are some uh, some graduates of medical school that live in 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 some of our cities that actually can't get licenses, and so we're wondering why is that that uh, we have a doctor shortage yet we have some that, that need to do the residency but can't seem to do that. So we need to have some answers on that, whether, you know, it's meeting with uh, um, probably Minister Harrison is the one we're going to reach out to. We understand he's uh, working on that file. But, you know, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, obviously we would like to have a meeting with them too to get them to explain to us, you know what, how can they help us on that front? Uh, nurses, um, you know, more for training, more funding, that is obviously adequate. Uh, in the sense that we know we need more of those kind of things. But we also need some things in rural areas. You know, perhaps it's just a a health clinic that doesn't have all the proper equipment. There needs to be more equipment in some of these smaller rural centers. And so there are all hosts of things. And to put uh, a finger on one individual thing, saying it's most important, I don't think we can do that. But even virtual care... Uh, we know the province is committed to do, uh, to reinstate some virtual care that we had before that we can't get back, but we know the province wants to do that. So we're anticipating that startup again where you know, people can, you know, go online and talk to a nurse and talk to a doctor and kind of evaluate what the issue is. And maybe, you know, over the, over the, uh, internet, we can, uh, we can relay our health concerns that way. But, uh, as I said, multi, multi approach.
1: ORB says healthcare funding is important for rural recruitment and retention of doctors and other professionals. It's time now for the Livestock Market Conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock Market Conditions. US live cattle futures for April are trading at 163.97 that's down 62 June live cattle trading at 159.77, down 42. March feeder cattle trading at 186.17, down 115. April feeder cattle trading at 190.52, down 62. April lean hogs trading at 85.90, down 60. May lean hogs trading at 95.25 down 45 and that's the livestock market conditions now it's time for the heartland livestock report from yorkton
3: hello cattleman jr for heartland livestock yorkton with your market report for the week of february 15th a nice run on offer here this week with 1881 in the sort 335 cows and bulls for a total of twenty-two sixteen. On the feeder market this week the market was trending steady to last week. The lighter cattle for grass are on the upward trend and the heavy cattle are holding their own. Here are a few highlights. Buckskin steers five hundred sixty-four pounds, three hundred twenty-eight, seven hundred eleven at two eighty-three and a quarter, seven hundred eighty-one at two sixty-four and a quarter. On the block steers, 490 at three twenty nine seventy five. Six forty three weights at three hundred five twenty five. Seven hundred eight at two eighty three and a quarter. And your seven hundred eighty five pound block steers two fifty eight and a quarter. Red X steers 570 pounds of 315, 710 weights 283, and your 783 pound Red X steers 261 and a quarter. On the heifer trade, we're seeing them climb up weekly. There's still a 40 to 50 cent spread on the lighter heifers, and about 35 cents on the heavier cow. On the cow and bull trade this week, we saw 280 cows average a dollar. D1 cows buck two to a dollar nine with sales to a dollar eleven fifty. D2 cows 97 to 102. Your D3 cows, eighty to ninety. Heiferets, a dollar eighteen to $1.45 dollar forty-five with sales to one fifty. On the bull trade, twenty-two big bulls average a dollar twenty-seven with a high of a dollar forty. Producers, this Friday, February 17th, 11 a.m., is our sheep and goat sale. There is no horse, horse sale this month. I repeat, no horse sale. Receiving is Thursday, 12 to 8, and Friday up until sale time 11 a.m. Next Friday, February 24th, 11 a.m., bred cow and heifer sale, with 240 head consigned already, consisting of a herd dispersal of 125 black and red cows bred block for April 15th, calving. Next week, pre-sort is just a one-day sort. We'll only receive and sort on February 21st. Call ahead and get your consent. Time in. Once again, it's been Junior for HLS Yorkton. Thank you and have a great day.
1: Researchers with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon are examining strategies to allow an increased inclusion of field pea starch in the diets of pigs without increasing the risk of gastric ulcers. Dr. Matt Lowen, an associate professor in veterinary medical myosciences, tells us why there's been such an interest in the subject.
0: Well, I guess for a couple of years now, there's been a, uh, a real interest in producing plant protein for the human food market. The byproduct of producing that plant protein for the human market is a large production of starch, uh, pea starch which is sort of left over after you make this protein concentrate for the human food market. And so this is sort of, now there seems to be this sort of uh, cheap energy source to for food animal production. The problem is with it is that we really just don't know how to use it. We don't know uh, how to feed it to pigs, at what levels, things like that. And there is there is sort of this, uh, there is, there is sort of reports in the literature and, and a little bit of research that, that sort of indicates that feeding this particular type of starch, which is very finely ground uh, for the separation process, causes uh, gastric ulcers in pigs. And, and so right now, that's what we're trying to, to, to figure out. Whether, like, at what level, do you, it, does this even occur? Is this, is this a thing? And, and, and to what level can we feed it?
1: He explains how the pea starch is incorporated into the diet.
0: The pea starch can be can be used at multiple mul- can be added in at multiple different concentrations as an energy source for the, the growing pig. Typically, most pea starch or starch, you know, if you're feeding peas or whatnot, would be fed at a the, the size of the part the starch granule would be around 700 microns. Okay, but with the separation process for uh, protein concentrate, and then obviously the byproduct, the the starch concentrate, the starch size after it's ground for this process is only 10 microns. So, uh, well, 10 microns, somewhere between 10 and and let's say 100 microns, that's kind of your distribution. And the problem is between, so so you figure your normal size of your starch granule is going to be around 700 microns, and now we've now ground it down and you're feeding these this very fine powder at uh, 10 to 70 microns, so it's almost you know, you're also 10 times smaller. And so, so, so typically, you know, the, the, the irregular size would be around 700 microns and this is down around, you know, 50 microns or less. And and, and they think that this is, these, this very, very finely ground powder can cause ulcers. And and so what we're looking at is how to use it and, and feed it to pigs, though, causing ulcers. And, and And the other thing is that we're looking at is, is does it actually cause ulcers?
1: So, Dr. Lowen says their first task was to find out if it does cause ulcers.
0: Yeah. So we've we've and so that was the first thing that we looked at with this because it was it was a little bit of a well, you know, some people, some clinicians had seen it, been reports of it, and and the industry was very hesitant to use it, and so we did a we just did a pilot study. So the gastric ulcers in pigs, they can occur. Usually, they occur with a stressful event. So, shipping. Or if if there's a feed outage, so if there's a feed outage where a, a line gets blocked and the pigs aren't getting any feed, there's uh, it's a stressful event. They fight with each other, and then the feed comes back on, and they seem to that. And that's a typical situation where you get a gastric ulcer in a pig. That seems to be uh, the idea. Is that that seems to be exacerbated, or the idea was that I, that was going to be exacerbated with the pea starch, and that was kind of the the idea that was out there. What we actually found is we did a fairly high inclusion level of of 40 percent of this very finely ground pea starch into the diet, and uh, what we found was that basically all the, it didn't matter if there was a feed outage or how long that feed outage was, the pigs got ulcers. So just the pea starch itself was causing ulcers. The pigs they did okay, they grew. And it was very much a pilot study at the time, so we're not we're not really sure how how poorly they would have done in comparison to a group of pigs that were on, you know, a different type of starch. But from our from our pilot study, it would appear that forty percent inclusion of this pea starch, regardless of whether there's a feed outage or stressful event, will give pigs ulcers. And so that's that's kind of where we're at with it right now. And we're really we're doing a couple more trials and we're also trying to get into what is the p starch doing to cause these ulcers without, you know, a, a particularly stressful event?
1: He explains how the information gathered through this research will be applied.
0: Obviously, this this first pilot study we did was just to confirm that we could actually get ulcers, and well, with the the this finely ground p starch, is actually quite easy to do. We don't even need a stressful event to do it. So now we have to sort of dial it back and and see. Uh, and it was a fairly high concentration, so we we want to see what probably we're going to do different levels and see what is the what is the minimal level you can feed without getting any ulcers, and then and then the sort of the, the 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 next sort of so that's the, how much can we actually put in without getting ulcers. So that that would be used by industry. And also, how how if they do get an ulcer, you know, what, what is their loss in in daily gain and things like that? So that we're kind of looking at that. What is the sort of the, the the inclusion levels that we can we can get away with without causing any harm to the animal? The second thing that we're looking at is 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 what is happening from a pathophysiological sort of situation. Like, what is the P starts doing? So is it disrupting the mucus barrier in in the lining of the stomach? Is it altering the acid transport into the stomach so or is it altering sort of the microbes that are in the stomach to increase acid secretion and maybe cause ulcers so so we're looking at a number of physiological sort of parameters to determine what, why is this really finely ground starch doing this, and how is it doing it it's a, it's a very bizarre thing, and so we're kind of and, and, and hopefully if we can figure that out, then that's going to give us a better guide to how to increase the maximal level so how how could we so if we can kind of understand what the pea starch is doing to the stomach then maybe we maybe we can add some type of processing procedure in order to to increase the level of this very finely ground starch okay so i mean we do have some ideas where we're you know increase fiber levels pelleting different things of pelleting things like that i mean obviously those 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 do add cost to the feed production but i mean those are a few ideas and 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 once we understand Physiologically, what's going on? That'll really help us a little bit more to understand what should we be doing to the starch to increase uh, its its inclusion level in the feed, and hopefully we can make some of those uh, get some of those ideas of what to do with that from the physiological measurements we're doing now. So I think there's there's two sides of this this uh, sort of thing that we're doing. One is just uh, you know how much can we just get away with this stuff? Period. At what inclusion level? And then the sort of the second side of it is okay. So why is this happening? And how do we stop it from happening, such that we can add more of it and use more of it uh, as an energy source in these diets?
1: And Dr. Lowen outlines the potential benefits of including more pea starch in these rations.
0: I think the biggest benefit is is that Western Canada is is well, I mean this fluctuates from 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 time to time, but we we have a lot of starch to deal with in Western Canada, right? Because everyone's after pro- protein is. I mean, there's lots of protein around, or everybody wants to make protein because that's, that's, the, that's the real um, what everybody's after, but we have a lot of starch byproduct, and that starch byproduct is, uh, especially from this process of producing these plant proteins for human consumption, that starch byproduct is quite cheap. So it's a cheap energy source to grow our livestock on in Western Canada. And so if we can utilize or use more of this sort of byproduct starch, it's a, it's a cheap way to boost animal
1: production. Dr. Matt Lowen is an Associate Professor in Veterinary Medical Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit Lane Realty. Commodities Update We're trading up across the board this hour. March canola trading at $824 per metric ton, up 90 cents. May canola trading at 819 dollars up $2.50. March Minneapolis wheat trading at $9.29 per bushel, up four and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at eight hundred ninety eight per bushel up three and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at seven hundred sixty four and a half, down four and three quarters of a cent. March corn trading at six hundred seventy four and a half down one and three quarters of a cent. March soybeans trading at fifteen twenty six per bushel. That's up a quarter of a cent. March oats trading at 363 and a quarter. That's up six and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. GX and agriculture will return after this. Farm Bulletin Board. You can now place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation. Are you interested in seeding cultivated land back to Native Prairie? Their reverse auction allows landowners to put a realistic price on what it will cost them to convert land back to Native Prairie and the chance to receive financial compensation for grassland restoration projects. The bidding is now open until March 31st of this year. You can contact them to learn more about the reverse auction process and how to place a bid at www.ssgf. Or you can also just phone them, 306-530-1385. Once again, that phone number, 306-530-1385. The Canadian Association of Farm Advisors is having another learning event in the Parkland region. It's coming up on Wednesday, March 22nd. It'll run from 9 until 10.30 at Community Ventures in Yorkton. Adam Piccolo, of course, is a Portfolio Manager and Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial Group in Winnipeg. He specializes in advising farms on retirement investment planning and grain price protection strategies. For 12 years, he has worked with farms across Western Canada. His discussion points will be on how do your farm clients manage their price risk, are your clients using options and futures, What are some common options and future strategies that could help your farm clients? And do your farm clients have a written plan? Now, if you would like to participate in this parkland learning event, you need to RSVP by March 20th to denise at philipchuckmanagement.com. That'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program.